Welcome back in, everyone, to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Happy New Year to you all. Welcome to 2024. We are excited to continue bringing you coverage of Fizz Fest NYC, the first annual Fizz Fest NYC. And we have three more incredible artists joining us today to share in that amazing coverage. Joining us, we have the founding director of Clown Gym, Julia Proctor. We have the choreographer and member of the Fizz Fest NYC Artistic Leadership Circle, Lou Seidel. And we have a performer performing in the show War and Play, Anya Upstill. Of course, all three of these amazing artists are involved with FizzFest NYC, which is playing January 5th through the 14th at the Stella Adler Center for the Arts. Hurry and get your tickets and more information now by visiting fizzfestnyc.org. And if you haven't heard about what this festival is about, you can head back over and listen to our previous episode on this But we are so excited to have our three guests to continue telling us more about this wonderful event happening. So let us welcome on our guests, Julia, Lou, and Anya. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks, Andrew. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. I am so excited to have the three of you here and to talk more about this amazing festival. This is such an exciting event happening here in New York City, here at the Stella Adler Center for the Arts. And Lou, I actually want to start with you just to kind of give a brief overview. Can you just remind some of our listeners about what FizzFest NYC is, what's happening with it? You know, kind of give us the groundwork of it real fast. Of course. And please, anyone jump in if I am missing anything. Thanks so much for having us. So FizzFest is the first ever physical theater festival in New York City. There's only, and I believe this is correct, there's only one other physical theater festival in the country, which is in Chicago. And we're very excited to just kind of be creating a new home for, for movement-based work in the city. I'm part of the artistic leadership circle. So with help from the produ- producing body, me and, and five other members have been pretty much curating curating half of the festival content, which has been a large undertaking, but really, really deeply rewarding. Yeah, and that festival content includes 26 performances. Some have full-length shows like War and Play, which we're talking about today. And then there's a collection of some great split bill shows. So you can see three different artists performing on the same night. We also have some variety nights. And then 17 workshops from some amazing theater artists. And then seven panels featuring some industry professionals. And this first year, since this inaugural, we decided to only feature artists based in New York City. So these are all local folks who have sometimes have trouble performing in New York. There's not always a space for them to perform at home. And so a lot of us are used to traveling and touring. And it's gonna be a treat to collect everyone at Stella Adler starting Friday. I love it. I am so excited about this. This is this is a wonderful new festival and what a way to kick off 2024 and the theater year of that with a brand new theater festival. Now, Julia, I want to kind of dive into what you do. I mean, you are the founding director of Clown Gym. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Clown Gym is turning 10 years old. We've been around since 2014 and we offer affordable, accessible clown training. And the goal is to bring in as many different teaching artists as possible. So every Tuesday night, we have a drop-in class 
led by some awesome guest teacher. And then we also have intensives and series to dig in deeper to the work. And then we put on shows, like we have two at FizzFest. On Monday, we have 20 minutes of original devised material presenting on a split bill. And then on Tuesday, we have one of our variety nights called Clown Flex. And we just announced today that Bill Irwin, who's one of our country's leading clowns and actors, is joining us. So he's performing on uh, Tuesday the 9th at FizzFest. And then we also have teacher, Clown Gym also does teacher mentorship program called the Clown Cohort. And actually Anya and I here are the co-facilitators of that mentorship program. Uh, so there's a lot of crossovers. And then with my wonderful co-producers, Becky and BJ, I'm helping produce through Clown Gym FizzFest. So we've been doing a lot. <laughs> that is amazing. And I love... I mean, on a personal note, I love the world of clown. That's what we try to do is show people there's so many ways to clown and what clowning can be. And that's part of what I love about war and play is that it it shows so many of the possibilities of what the form of clown can do. That is a brilliant segue because I wanted to bring Anya on. I want to talk a little bit about your play, Anya. War and play this, of course, we're, we're hearing a first, you know, the first play, you're, you're the first play we're having on the show from this festival. Can you tell us a little bit about your show? Of course. And yeah, I should say it's definitely a collective show. So I'm performer divisor. We have a writer. We have a director. So the play is a, like a devised piece. It's a devised clown piece. And it covers, it starts at the, when Russian invades Ukraine. So it's set during the initial invasion. And then it follows two main characters who are a queer couple and their attempts to find joy and resilience in the face of the invasion. So it has, it's not the lightest clown piece. I think that's something that's quite interesting about it. You know, the association with clown is often circus or sometimes kids birthday parties or help well help me but it you know there's, there's a lot of other associations but um this is definitely a clown show that has some more serious elements absolutely wow i i i usually would ask at this point what was the inspiration for your show but i think everyone listening i mean i think we all know the inspiration for the show but Anya, I want to follow up what you said with what has it been like developing this piece as you head into FizzFest? Yeah, it was initially developed for National Queer Theater's Criminal Queerness Festival in the summer. And the writer, Danielle Levsky, is Ukrainian. And so it was, especially at that point, it felt very important that we do some pretty intense dramaturgy around what was actually going on and how it was actually affecting communities. So we had a wonderful dramaturg. And then it was, I mean, it was a very playful process. I think sometimes, you know, you think you're working on something that has such a heavy, a heaviness to it, but we were really trying to find again, that kind of like resilience that comes through with clowning and with fine, with maintaining curiosity and joy. And it was, it was really maybe quite, probably quite powerful to have that approach to the material. And 
it felt very close actually I've worked with clowns without borders and it felt kind of similar to like you know you're really trying to use clowning as a way of finding joy despite what might be happening that sounds incredible I love that now I want to jump back up to you Lou as you know you're you were part of the team that put all of this together and curated this festival what has it been like developing the festival as we're a few days away from starting and you know how have things been going thanks for asking that question well i first wanted to start with what drew me to the show war and play as a curator is that it felt like it ticked all of our boxes in terms of what we were looking for in our guidelines so before we ever sent out our submission form for applications. Us as a team kind of developed our own like ethos statement about what we were looking for. And our three main tenants were that there was a unique point of view from the artist. There was a clear relationship to physical theater, which is obvious, but you know, nice to include. And also that it was relevant that, you know, we were asking ourselves the question, why is this being performed right now? Even if it was a slightly older work. And this show clearly presented itself as like a great example of all of those three guiding principles, which is perfect that we're all on this podcast together. And I think that just to echo what Anya is saying, that physical theater and clowning has the chance to really show like the full human human experience and the full like humanity of of just an event. And I think that's like, really what we're trying to showcase here. But yeah, just to continue on that line of thought, it has been a huge learning curve. As a team, you know, we've never done this before. <laughs> we've never all worked together before. The producers helped choose who was going to help curate this festival. And so it's been just like a great team effort. And I think we're all learning how to work together as a team, which has been really fun. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Julia, I want to bounce back to you and ask, uh, you know, you mentioned that Clown Jim is one of the producers of this festival and you're obviously performing. I would love to hear your take on what can audiences expect from this year's inaugural Fizz Fest NYC and from Clown Jim's pieces in the festival. Oh, I'm so excited for our audiences. I, I also have been managing all of our social media and so I'm getting to know intimately the imagery of all of the pieces being presented and it's dynamic. I think, I mean, even within War and Play, right? We've, we're talking about this very serious traumatic event being approached through joy and curiosity. And I think you will find that across all of our 26 shows in many different ways, right? We've got clown, mime, house dance, so many different forms and approaches to what we all call physical physical theater. And what do we call it? It's open-ended. One of our, our first panel actually is, is what is physical theater? <laughs> because I think a lot of folks have different definitions of that term. But as Lou said, it's, you know, movement-centered storytelling. So that's at the heart of all the shows you'll see. And you're going to see that approached in lots of different ways. We've got very traditional mime, we, you know, where no words are spoken to improv, you know, very word driven and text heavy. So you can find, you know, entry points into that. We also have shows for young audiences. We've got some great matinees on the first weekend that are great for families. And then we have some late night shows that you'll leave the kids home for. So <laughs> it's a little, little bit of everything. And then Clown Gym, yes, we're presenting two different 
offerings. The first, as I mentioned, is 20 minutes of new devised material on Monday the 8th. And it's a love letter to musical, physical theater. We're a bunch of clowns and we're singing (laughs) and we're moving and we're dancing. We have some fun, poking fun of physical theater as well. Uh, it's our show is called Once Upon a Clown. That's on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we've got six awesome clown acts. It's a variety night that I'll be hosting. Richard Sawdeck is our first performer. And Richard's also presenting a great workshop on Saturday about joy and imagination. So you could study with him and then come see him perform on Tuesday. I mentioned Bill Irwin. We've got a section of a show called Yoga for Billionaires. We've got three clowns called Clowns on Guard. We've got Tiffany Riley and Dick Monday from the New York Goofs and also co-founders of Laughter League Hospital Clowns presenting. So we have uh, we have a lot of great variety and you'll see lots of approaches to clown at our Clown Flex on Tuesday night. That sounds amazing. How much fun is that? There's something for everyone, it sounds like, which is great. Yeah, that's our goal. That And, you know, Lou and the curation team, that we really had that in mind. How can we bring as many different audience members in and different entry points into what physical theater is? Love that. Anya, hopping back to you. I do want to mention, because we were speaking before we started. Now, this play that you have, War and Play, I mean, this isn't just a, a, a you thing. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. You're all wearing many hats. Can you let our listeners in on who the company you're with that's putting on this play again is? Sure. So the sort of the the clowns, <laughs> the devising clowns are myself and Danielle Levski and Mariko Isawa. And we have our wonderful director, SMJ. And that's the kind of core team in terms of the sort of more producing end, my company, Butch Mermaid Productions, is presenting it. So, and that came about because as Butch Mermaid Productions, it's mostly me, (laughs) the artistic director, but all of our work is about queer joy and centers queer and trans stories. And this production does that. (laughs) Oh, it was, you know, a nice, it's just like, I'm always looking for ways to collaborate and ways for people to work together to uplift stories and not have to I don't know create a company every time you create a new show you know so this is our actually our first trial of presenting a show that's not something that I've been behind the entire creation process of I love that well I kind of want to snowball that a little bit because you are you've got this show that I would not say is a lighthearted show by any means, it sounds like. So what is the message or thought that you're hoping the audiences take away from War and Play? Well, I think especially at this time where there are multiple wars and conflicts happening and the world itself can feel very heavy. I will say this second development process has actually found felt heavier to me personally, perhaps because when I worked with Clowns Without Borders, it was in Palestine. But I will say that it, the the overall message, and it is a lightly interactive show, so we do have the audience, the audience can play with us if they choose to. I would say that it is about the resilience of the human spirit 
and how you can find joy in dark times and also about connection because we're connecting with each other we're playing with each other we're playing with the audience and we're letting people giving people this moment of breathing space this brevity within the the content that we're exploring so ultimately it's about hope and I also know that especially describing the show to people in a very uh, short period can sometimes feel like, okay, come see this, this production about war in a time where you're probably already thinking about it, but it's really about joy. Oh, I love that. I was going to echo that because I was in the audience this summer for the first showing of it. And my feeling, the experience of being there was joyful when I think back on it, I remember laughing and I remember smiling with strangers and connecting with people across the Lincoln Center atrium and and feeling in community. So I just want to echo the goals of the show for me really do land. And and I'm excited, Anya, hearing, you know, what's changed and what's new with this development process. And I'm excited to see that version that stands today. Yeah, and also just thinking about your company and the the process that you've been going through, we have a panel on Thursday the 11th about how to self-produce your own theater show and and ways to kind of navigate the the industry in that in that capacity. So, I thought that was a nice little tidbit to add. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I think I wanted to jump on that to say and that's one of the wonderful things about is fast and there being this new physical theater and movement based festival is that it can really feel like you're creating work in a vacuum or a silo. I think people who work in physical theater and movement in New York often have moved here from other places or trained in different places. You know, I didn't train in New York. And so moving here, it really did take a while to figure out where people were. And the idea that there's a festival that now highlights so much of the different types of work Allow, gives people functionally a list of companies to look at or people to look at and collaborate with. It's really special. I love all that. This is so much wonderful insight. This is great. I want to direct my last question for this first part of the interview to you, Lou. And I want to ask, who do you hope have access to all of this, to this festival? I'm getting so emotional talking about this. I'm very excited for this Friday. Well, speaking personally, I'm kind of a baby in the industry. I got connected to this work through Broken Box Mind Theater, which uh, you spoke to Becky Bamwell last week about, I'm guessing. When I was in high school, I grew up in the city. I saw one of Broken Box's shows. I was so enamored with their work. I emailed Becky afterwards and was like, oh, I would love to get a coffee with you and talk. And... I interned for their company, yada, 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 long story, story short, I've kind of stayed in touch with them throughout the years and now have been part of this festival. And I felt extremely lucky to have been exposed to this work. My theater teacher just recommended me to go see it. Felt so extremely lucky to be exposed to this work at a young age. And that was not the case for most of the people I grew up with and just generally most people in New York who are not exposed to physical theater. And so I think this festival is an exciting opportunity for, you know, the young Lou's of the world to get access to so much all in one place of what of what body-based theater is and can be. And then in turn, even for these seasoned professionals who have been doing this work for years, to really feel like they have a home to come back to and a shared audience network that they can then kind of 
keep producing their work. And so I, I think it's, it's for everyone. And, and I think we're going to keep finding this out. This is a huge, big experiment that we're excited to, to showcase and continue in years to come. interviews we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better and i'm excited to continue to pull the curtain back if you will and i want to start by asking you all what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites and of course we are dealing with the world of physical theater so i will open it up to any of those as well choreographers clowns whatever it may be and Anya, may I start with you first, please? Yes. Okay. So two things come to mind. The first is I grew up in the Bay Area and I grew up watching the San Francisco Mime Troupe, who then, and I believe still now, do free physical theater, comedia dell'arte based, whatever musical something, whatever they feel like making work. <laughs> and it tours to parks around the Bay Area. So we used to go to our local park whenever they came every year. And I, Remember specifically this one show that was about GMO corn, but it was done in a way, you know, it was it was early and early-ish, early enough in genetically modified food that they were like, the warning. Uh, anyway, and at the end of the production, the corn took over the world. But it was just this like this playful, this ridiculous, this fun, all of all that that they brought to it. Music, public theater. I don't know. I have a real soft spot, soft place in my heart for theater and public theater and also as a clown and I know that Danielle who wrote War and Play and who was in it shares this but Slava and particularly his show Slava Snow Show is a show that has meant a lot to both of us and has I think framed some of our aesthetic. Those are two wonderful wonderful suggestions there i've heard a lot of great things about slavish snow show julia how about you what are who inspires you anya inspired my answer actually i loved the the childhood example bread and puppet which is oh lou was bread and puppet gonna be yours i was gonna choose bread and puppet but i'll think fast (laughs) you can talk more about bread and puppet i spent a summer with them in the northeast kingdom of vermont interning and you know sleeping in a tent and making theater and that was a huge wake-up call to me if you don't aren't familiar with them they've been around for decades run by peter schumann and they do political political street theater and they put on performances on their farm in vermont and then they tour the country in their school bus they're very relevant and scrappy and joyful and messy. And I learned a lot from them. I also, well, this is another conversation, but the I learned a lot about collaborating for better or worse from them, my summer with them. And then the company that, or the two people that opened my eyes to what clown and physical theater could be and, and put me on this path are Jeff Sobel and Trey Lightford, who are both Pig Iron, former Pig Iron Company members from Philly. And they're 
their work, they work in a duo and then they also have a trio of magicians and then they all work independently as well. But I remember seeing three of their pieces in Washington, D.C., where I lived in my 20s. And it was funny and weird and creative and magical. They do use magic. And my I remember my husband and I were just like, what is this? You know, speaking about who we want to come to FizzFest. It, it's like I had never seen theater like that before. And I was hooked. And I see everything they do and have had a chance to play with them. And it's what, I, yeah, I love it. It's the theater I love. <laughs> I love that list as well. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Lou, how about you? What are who inspires you? Well, first I'll say, Julia, I'm very jealous about your bread and puppet connection. That's fantastic. I saw one of their shows recently that was actually very much about war and it reminded me of the, the topics of today. Well, let me pivot to someone who inspires me on the daily, who I grew up training with and primarily a choreographer, also have done a lot of theater and kind of combining those. I grew up dancing with this amazing, amazing dance teacher, Ellen Robbins, who pretty much teaches choreography to, to kids as young as six which is very, very rare, I would say, in the dance world. A lot of times kids are taught technique first and then learn how to find their voice later. And it was an incredible program to be part of as a, as a kid because I was such a wacky, wacky kid growing up and, and didn't always want to point my feet in everything. And it was a chance to, to figure out how to like, you know, use my body to tell stories and then figure out technique along the way as I was doing that. And Ellen Robbins is still creating dance creating spaces for for kids to learn how to choreograph. And I'm still dancing with their alumni group today, which has been really lovely. We perform at New York Live Arts every January and June. So that's just someone who inspires me on the daily. And I would also say you guys should check out Bill Irwin at, at Clownflex because I grew up watching his stuff as well. I saw his first show, Old Hats at The Signature, and he's just a real delight. Beautiful suggestions there. I love that. And I love that you continue to perform. That's so wonderful. And that is a great lead into my next question for the three of you, which is what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Lou, I'm going to stick with you first on this. Oh, I love it. Well, actually, before I answer that question, I might as well mention that the Artistic Leadership Circle is performing excerpts of our work together in a joint show on the 6th and the 7th, which is the first weekend of the festival. So it'll be ten uh, roughly 10 minutes from each six of the members, which I feel like maybe we forgot to mention just because we've been doing so much other stuff. So if you want to check out more of our work, you can you can come see that as well. And it'll be in the same day, but well, there'll be chances to see both shows. And your question was, please, please do remind me. Give me the honor of hearing that one more time. What is your favorite part of, about working in the theater? I think it's an extremely humbling experience no matter where you're coming from in the theater, because you get this opportunity to look at the world with fresh eyes, almost like this child look wonder, especially with physical theater and, and clowning and uh, yeah, and just movement in general. You're able to learn new things every day and kind of commit yourself to trying, yeah, trying to see how, how you can move through the world in different ways. Yeah, I, I, I've just... I think as also as a trans performer, I don't think I would have been able to understand my own gender identity if I didn't have access to yeah, this this type of this type of work and understanding like how I can present my body on stage and off stage. A lovely answer. I love that. 
Anya, how about you? Well, I would say as another trans performer, I think that I would also maybe would have never uh, felt that freedom or felt that maybe get working in physical theater specifically gives you a really different, I think, and unique relationship to your body and can allow you to see it as something you can be creative with and in a sense create, which is, I think, a very powerful experience. And I think being able to yeah, create with movement, create with your body is really special. For me, working in theater is so special because it's the collaboration and the connection with the people that you work with and the people that you perform to. You know, I mean, it's one of the, I think the scariest things is to look an audience right in the eyes and especially in clowning, like ask, essentially ask them a question or ask them or, you know, ask for a provocation. And yet the, what you get back is so incredible. So you think, yeah, it's the connection and the collaboration for me. I love that answer. Love that. And bringing us home with this question, Julia, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Please see Anya's previous answer. hundred <laughs> percent. I love playing with people. I mean, how lucky are we that we get to play for work and it's not always easy, right? Play is not always easy. It's challenging and humbling, as Lou said, which are all things I love about it. But in essence, that's what we get to do. And I love that I get to know people through playing as an audience. Yeah, going to the theater or communicating with my audience, with my collaborators, even this sort of interaction here in the podcast, right? That we get to know people through our play is such a gift and keeps me going every day. Oh, another wonderful answer. And now we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. I'm so excited to hear all of yours. And of course, this question is, what is your favorite theater memory? Okay, I have one. One of many. And this is another inspiration. Eric Davis who is also known as the Red Bastard, who performs in a full body mask. His tech, his craft is called Buffon. And they are, the, the Buffon are the, you know, the clown is the innocent and we laugh at the clown and the Buffon is the grotesque and they laugh at us. And Eric has this show, Red Bastard has this show where he strips down, he takes off the mask and at the end is him his himself open and vulnerable and through the process of the show he asks the audience to take risks and the whole point is how how big of a risk can we take and I remember seeing it once and someone called their during the show in the audience and the audience member called their father and had a conversation with him that he had always wanted to have about a very complicated part of his childhood and it all played out during the show. You know, we didn't hear the dad, but he was, we heard the audience member talking and I, I mean, I still have goosebumps thinking about it and the power of that connection and the invitation to be vulnerable and the acceptance of that audience member to go for it was again, like, Oh, this is the theater I want to be a part of and make. Wow. Wow. What, 
I would have loved to have been in that show to be able to experience and share that. That is that there is the testament of the power of theater, the true testament of the power of community and theater. That, that is incredible. Thank you for sharing that. That's so wonderful. Yeah, and thank you, Eric. I mean, he's still performing, so you have chances to to try and get in his audience. Who would like to go next? I'm just thinking about a, a show that I saw a couple years back called Small Mouth Sounds by Bess Wool. It's a play about a silent retreat. So there's maybe like a, an ensemble of characters, a handful of characters who, who go and, and are seeking to find different truths about their own struggles in life. And it was set in an alleyway seating. So I was able to like watch half of the audience watch the show. And I would say about 5% of the show was spoken. And it was one of the first shows that I ever saw that I felt like it, the characters really only broke the silence when they really, really desperately needed to speak. And and that is just such a, an important principle of mine is I think like, you know, really using words when when nothing else can can get to that specificity. Is I think we just live in such a culture of language, which I think language is of course lovely, but you can just do so much with the body. And afterwards I, I, I saw the show alone and I ended up just talking to a lot of all of the audience members about it. And yeah, I love to see theater alone. It's it's really lovely. You don't have to worry about if the person sitting next to you is liking it or not. <laughs> and yeah, that was just a, a really sweet moment. Oh, I love that. That is a wonderful memory. Thank you for sharing that. Anya, bring us home on this. What is your favorite theater memory? There are many. I will share two because one is actually the one I shared before, which is seeing San Francisco Mime Troop in the park. But there was a show that I saw in Austin, Texas, when I lived there by the Rude Mechs called Dionysus in 69. And it was a recreation of a show that actually happened in 1969 based on the story of Dionysus. And the there were many things about this production that were incredible part of it was the seating which was this kind of mismatch of like platforms and pillows on the ground and it was very it was like the first show I saw that was I think truly immersive in both the sort of set design and the seating and the way that the actors interacted with us and um, Julia's story reminded me of this at the end of the show or at a certain point in the show there's an audience member that kind of gets to make a choice about how intimate they get with one of the actors. And the outcome of that interaction determined how the show ended. So it was just this like this, the, the risk there and the like audience interaction and the reward. I, it was so, it was super powerful. Also there was nudity. So, you know, and it's very 1969 in that sense. I was like, oh yeah, people are naked. The, the other one, I used to work with this company called Barbarian Productions in New Zealand. And they did a show called White Elephant that was I think formative for me because it was kind of a comedia mask clown combination. And they had these kind of actually kind of Buffon-esque oligarchs who were kind of controlling the world. And it was just such a powerful but playful dissection of power and wealth and greed. And I do think that as artists, to me, the most powerful art is where you can play and be, you know, work in metaphor or work in things that are larger than life, which is where physical theater really comes into its own. And that's where we find, you know, I think that's where we find connections and realizations about the world. 
A wonderful memory. What wonderful memories all three of you have shared. These, I would love to continue picking your brains and hearing more about your stories because these are all incredible moments you've had. So thank you so much for sharing those. I want to ask the three of you now real quick as we wind down, are there any other projects or productions that any of you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Yes, Clown Gym has, we're in halfway through our season. So after our Clown Flex show on Tuesday, there'll be two more Clown Flexes in the upcoming year on in March and another one in May. So you'll see six new awesome clown acts in each of those shows. And then we also have a residency at the Chelsea Factory in June where we'll, our ensemble will be making a new devised show. And I don't know what that is. We will make it and share it <laughs> in the next few months. That's amazing, exciting. The work I'm doing right now is with a fantastic ensemble of all trans dancers. We're working on a piece that I'm choreographing called Waiting Slash Pointing. It's a lot about my study of gesture and linguistics and also just about access and the process of waiting while you transition. And we just did a whole bunch of, oh, actually I'm lying, we just did one showing. <laughs> and we're hoping to make it into a longer piece this spring, I'm also working with a fantastic puppet artist, Leah Levine, and we're doing a show at a beautiful church on the Upper West Side this March. And I do not have the exact date on my mind, but stay tuned. That's very exciting. We will definitely have to stay tuned for that. All my things are TBC in terms of like, or can't be announced yet for other reasons, but I am starting a, a game, a sort of, a, what did I call it? a playtime space for organizers and nonprofit workers and educators to play some games because the world is hard. So <laughs> just if people need some like a space to play some games on a Monday night, I don't know if they can, they can follow me on Instagram at Butch Mermaid and I'll put the information up there, but Monday nights going to play some games for an hour and a half. So give people some joy in a time of stress and work. Amen. I absolutely love that. Well, this is a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about FizzFest NYC or about any of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Follow FizzFest NYC on Instagram. We've got some beautiful reels dropping this week. You can see samples of some of the shows. And our website is great. As you mentioned, that's our home for all the ticket links and bios of all the artists. And as Anya said, FizzFest is part of what's so amazing about it is the resource of all of these collaborators, these potential collaborators. So that's a great spot to check out the artists and the company's names. And then for Clown Gym, same thing, clowngym.com. You can register for classes and learn about our shows and follow us on Instagram. I just said mine. My Instagram is is Butch Mermaid at Butch Mermaid, and the my company's Instagram is at Butch Mermaid Productions. <laughs> and my Instagram is Gesture Studies, and you can find more information about my work as well on LouSeidel.com. Amazing. Well, Julia, Lou, Anya, thank you all so much for taking the time today to speak with me. This has been amazing. I am so excited for FizzFest. I'm so excited for War and Play and to see what Clown Gym does. I'm so excited to see 
what the artistic circle is going to be doing, the leadership circle. This just all sounds amazing. So I appreciate all of you joining me today and sharing all of this and just giving your time to speak with us. So thank you all so much. Thank, thank you, you, Andrew. Yeah. And it all kicks off on Friday with a party. So everyone should come to the party. <laughs> My guests today have been the founding director of Clown Gym, Julia Proctor, the choreographer and member of the FizzFest NYC Artistic Leadership Circle, Lou Seidel, and the performer and one of the many producing team members with the play War and Play, Anya Upstill. These wonderful and incredible artists are all part of the inaugural FizzFest NYC. We are so excited about this. This festival is happening January 5th through the 14th at the Stella Adler Center for the Arts. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting thisfestnyc.org. And you should be heading over there right now to get your tickets. There's wonderful events happening, whether they be workshops, panels, or performances. Make sure you check this out. It's uh, We've also got some contact information for our guests and the festival, which we're going to be posting in our social media description, as well as on our episode description but right now, you need to head over to FizzFestNYC.org to get your tickets for FizzFest NYC, which is happening January 5th through the 14th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com and be sure to check out our brand new website for all things stage whisper and theater you'll be able to find merchandise tours tickets and more simply visit stagewhisperpod.com our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.